Welcome back to the Evidence-Based Rheumatology Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Putman, and today we'll be discussing a great trial in gout, the initiation of allopurinol at first medical contact for acute attacks of gout, a randomized clinical trial. This was published by Taylor et al. in the American Journal of Medicine in 2012. For background, for over 50 years, the standard teaching has been to start urate-lurine therapy at least two weeks after an acute flare has subsided. This is based on evidence that gout flares are more common when someone starts allopurinol and that the frequency of tags is proportional to the speed of urate-lowering therapy. The pathophysiology of this is somewhat suspect. We say it's due to shifts in uric acid, but dialysis rapidly lowers uric acid and doesn't seem to cause flares. There's also many downsides. Patients are less likely to start urate-lowering therapy after delay. Prophylaxis must be continued for longer as you uptitrate urate-lowering therapy. And, often the point of maximal prophylaxis, especially in cases when we're using steroids, is actually during an acute flare. To evaluate the question of whether or not urate-lowering therapy can be initiated during an acute flare, the authors performed a randomized, double-blind, single-center, non-inferiority study. The study pitted allopurinol, 300 mg daily, versus placebo for 10 days. Both arms received indocin, 50 mg, three times a day, and colchicine, 0.6 mg, twice daily. Open-label allopurinol was given to all patients in an extension from day 11 to day 30. The study ran from 1998 to 2009. Inclusion criteria included patients presenting within 7 days of a flare, and they had to have monosodium urate crystals on the day of initiation from synovial fluid. I like that a lot because that makes me pretty confident that this was really gout. The exclusion criteria were secondary gout, tophaceous disease, CHF, anticoagulation, CKD, use of steroids, chemotherapy, or active urate lowering therapy. By the author's own admission, there was relatively loose adherence to this. Many primary care providers simply excluded patients of their own volition, so we really don't know the denominator here. We're not sure how many patients were actually assessed for this study. More importantly, those are some pretty strict exclusion criteria. Who gets gout? Patients with CHF, patients with CKD, and patients who are getting chemotherapy. The primary outcome was a VAS, a visual analog pain scale, at days 1 through 10, and self-reported flares from days 1 to 30. The analysis was per protocol. Sensitivity analysis was done with an intention to treat analysis, performed in a variety of ways just to ensure that the per protocol analysis was reasonable. So what did they find? They managed to get 57 patients randomized into their study. Again, we don't know how many were ultimately assessed. Six were excluded for non-compliance. Table 1 shows that there were no significant differences between the group. Though we should note that more in the allopurinol group had their first attack, 35% versus 16%, and there was more hypertension in the placebo group, 76% versus 58%. In Figure 2, they show the response to allopurinol, which was quite dramatic. Almost all patients had dropped their uric acid to below 6.5 by 10 days. It's a nice demonstration of how quickly allopurinol actually works. For some reason in the back of my mind, I thought it took longer. As far as the primary outcome measure was concerned, the VAS scores tracked together nicely. There is no significant differences in pain at any day of the study. There is also no difference in the rate of new gout flares from day 1 through 30. Remember, this was part of an open-label extension. There were 7.7 .7 new flares in the allopurinol group, 12% in the placebo group, not significant. Before we go on, do you remember those exclusion criteria? 
As you dig a little bit deeper, you find that five of those were in the allopurinol group, with two patients lost to follow-up, one death, one attack within 24 hours, and one loss for compliance. The death was for gastroenteritis, pneumonia, fever, dehydration, acute renal failure. It wasn't attributed to dress, but I guess it could have been. The patient had only taken four doses, so it seems less likely. Another patient in the placebo group had hypersensitivity and had to stop the drug at day 30. Remember, the placebo group also got allopurinol after day 11. The strengths of this study are that they met their enrollment criteria, they had patient-centric outcomes, it was a randomized controlled trial, and to get into the study you had to have crystal-proven gout. The weaknesses, unfortunately, are many. For one, it was not powered to assess for adverse events. It's great that they used 300 milligrams of allopurinol up front, but we don't do that for a reason. The first being that we worry about the allopurinol hypersensitivity syndrome, and the second being that we are worried about it causing more flares. As far as the second's concerned, maybe this alleviates some of those concerns. This was also a small, non-inferiority study at a single center, and it was at the VA. For anyone who's worked at the VA, you know that this is a very different population than your run-of-the-mill patient. There was also a lot of self-report and non-validated outcomes. A visual analog pain scale has been used in a number of different rheumatologic diseases, but to be fair, this was just patients calling in if they had symptoms. Even more limiting to me is that the exclusion criteria of this study were very tight. People weren't included if they had CHF, or if they had chemotherapy, or if they had CKD. These are really the patients who we are treating with allopurinol. Patients were also treated with indocin and colchicine. There's nothing wrong with that, but a lot of patients don't get two therapies up front. A lot of patients will get just colchicine, or they'll get just indocin. And a lot of those patients we just discussed, the patients with CHF, the patients with CKD, will get steroid instead. In those cases, it's not clear based on this study if that prophylaxis is sufficient. Maybe if a patient was only getting colchicine and they were started on allopurinol up front, they would flare. Maybe steroids aren't strong enough, although in my personal opinion, I think they're probably one of the stronger treatments for this. Take-home points. In a patient with uncomplicated gout, it's reasonable to start allopurinol during an acute flare, and I have been doing this without significant difficulty. A dose of 300 milligrams of allopurinol is suggested by the authors, but given the lack of power in their study to assess this, I still started recommended doses of 100 milligrams or 50 milligrams for patients with renal failure. And ultimately, if you're going to use this data for your patients, you should bear in mind that the inclusion criteria were quite strict, and a lot of the people you'll be seeing on consults or in clinic aren't going to meet them. Next week, we'll look back at an important study in lupus nephritis, pitting Cellcept against Cytoxin, the ALMS trial. Be sure to subscribe to us on Twitter, we're at JBRoom, or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk again next week.